Welcome back, Travel Besties, to Season 2 of the Passports and Coffee Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kayla. And I'm Sherea. This season, we're excited to introduce to you some new Travel Besties. So grab yourself a cup of coffee. And let's inspire you to travel the world. Welcome back, Travel Besties, to a brand new episode of the Passports and Coffee Podcast. Today, we have a very fun guest, our personal friend, Haley, and the host of Finding Festivals. So Haley, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm. Uh, it was. I know that we're kind of personal friends. We, we got to meet at a conference, but it's so cool to see you ladies putting this on, and I'm honored to be part of it. Yeah. So before we get into talking about all things finding festivals, we have a question for you. And that is, what is your go-to coffee order? Oh, you know, I always say I like it black like my soul. So <laughs> I don't get fancy. <laughs> if it's black, it's it's good. Okay. So then how about this? I know you also like craft beer and craft cocktails. So then what is your go-to order for that? Oh, man. Now you're getting into it. That depends on the season too, right? Because, <laughs> you know, there's sure all does. kinds of seasonal beers. I always say when it comes to a craft beer, I really genuinely love a good wheat beer, especially if there's fruit involved in it. So there's like a raspberry wheat ale that I've, I've had before. As far mm. as spirits go, that really determines kind of the place. You know, there's actually a place here in Toledo called Toledo Spirits, and they are very generous with their pour. And they don't try to mask their alcohol at all. But then there's other places that put a bunch of like fun, delicious things in there and then it just creeps up on you. So that's kind of a toss. I think it depends on what you're in the mood for. If you're in the mood for causing trouble, there's places for that. And if you're not in the mood for causing trouble and just want a good drink, there's also places for that. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) All right. So first things first, (laughs) we know that you are the on-air host of Finding Festivals, which is a new television show that is on PBS. But before we get into that, I first want to say you have like a great presence on television and you just have that like personality for TV. So my question is, is like, do you have a background in media? So yes, but what's funny is um, I grew up loving watching television. In fact, Samantha Brown, she's like the OG of like travel personalities. Right. And I loved her as a child, but I always thought that I would never make it on TV because, you know, growing up in the era that I did, it, you had to be a certain size and look a certain way and have blonde hair and have certain colored eyes. And I just never thought I'd be on TV. So it was actually a college professor of mine when I was like, all right, I'm just gonna be a radio show host. Like I I can settle for that. I'm okay with that. And he insisted that I get in front of the camera and I was like, no, it'll be terrible. (laughs) And he's like, no, you you gotta try it. So I, I got in front of a camera because I had to, because of a project, like I was forced in front of it. And then I realized, I'm not half bad at this. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I do have a media background, but I never initially intended on being on TV. I just didn't think I had the look or presence and then was kind of forced into it. So, and I fell in love. I I love doing it. You really do though. Like you are great at like interviewing people and like you're just, your presence online is just very evident. So that's why I was just wondering if you had like a media background. But it's very evident that you're very comfortable in front of the camera. And um, after watching like the episodes of Finding Festivals, I was like, yeah, she found her niche for sure. Definitely. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. And I will add too, like when I finally got in front of the camera in college, um, I told my mom, I was like, mom, I was in front of the camera. It turned out really well. She's like, are you really that surprised? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, Uncle Lee has been filming your entire childhood since you were like two. Of course, you're going to be in front of the camera just fine because you've been in front of the camera your whole life. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I do. I still have the VHSs and everything. Oh, I just dated myself. But I still have the VHSs and everything. (laughs) We're all old. We know what VHS is. (laughs) So I know I try to pretend I'm hip with the kids, but um, I know I'm not. (laughs) No, we can't fit in with Gen Z. It's okay. We're okay with that <laughs> around here. I still wear my hair on the side. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So you were a fair queen. Yeah. I had no idea until I started watching Finding Vestibles, which is super cool. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, I always tell people, especially when I'm like talking to sponsors and other festival boards, you know, it's really hard to go to a festival board or anywhere and 
try to convince them like why you'll take care of their story because they, they want their story told right. And I tell them, you know, I'm not your average festival goer. I'm I'm actually a fair queen. And then like the conversation changes like from night to day because <laughs> being part of that, you, you actually are an, a marketing arm for the event. And you at least in Ohio, there is an entire association with participating festivals. There's over a hundred in our OFEA and you travel all throughout the state and not only advocate for your own festival, but just network among other Queens. And it was that specific experience that I was like, man, this would be, this would be a cool TV show. And at the time my uh, family lovingly said, no, one's going to watch that. <laughs> um, well, I proved look at, them wrong. Say, look <laughs> so. at me now, mom. <laughs> proved you wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, see, mom? Like, and then my mom even donated money to the show. So I'm like, hey, see, there you go. <laughs> um, I would say, so you being a fair queen has really kind of shaped your love for festivals. Yes, it uh, it definitely, it kind of was an experience that I kind of pulled back the curtain and I was like, oh, it's not just meeting up with your friends and eating food and causing mischief, which I still do, but um, I also <laughs> search for like the learning opportunities. So, you know, you had mentioned you saw the first few episodes, like the festival of sale, I would have never gone to a festival like that. And I specifically chose it for the show because I know tall ships is a lost art form. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. What is this? And then we got to talk to the captain and learn about the history and his passion for his crew. I just, let me tell you, that was a 40 minute interview and I had a hard time cutting it down to the seven minutes you see like that was really hard because he was just so captivating and I loved hearing everything he had to say and it's just it's little things like that where people I think they, they hear something like festival of sale and they're like oh who wants to go to tall ship festival and I'm like no really you need to go though it's really cool <laughs> I think though just being on the Great Lakes though we have a little bit more of a love for like ships and boats and stuff like that and I know Shreya I mean you live the yeah. land of you know 10,000 yeah. lakes so I, I can see how some people outside of that would be like but why that sounds so boring but honestly you did capture you you like really kind of captured the whole moment yeah. of like the festival of sale like we really kind of enjoy because we were talking about it before we hopped on this podcast with you about how we really enjoy throughout your programs and your your shows how not only do you capture the festival itself but you're also trying to bring light to the surrounding area as well yeah. because you know you are having people coming out to this festival that may not be living in the area. So you're kind of like showcasing the area in general as well, which is really nice. So it's like not only about the festival, but also about, you know, the area. Absolutely. The coffee shops that you brought us to. The ice cream. I, I want I want that ice cream. <laughs> or in episode two, you got to got to show us um, in Dublin the the corn um, statues. Like that's super interesting. It is a very like divisive um, or it's very divisive in town though, because people like you either love it or you hate it. So I was glad to like share the story of like why you should appreciate it. <laughs> but then I also really loved how in episode three, you really showed like the culture mm -hmm. of Mount Pleasant, like with like the Indian, like the indigenous people, but also like the people of Mount Pleasant and how like they're able to come together as one and really kind of just be cohesive. But I loved how you just showed that whole thing as well. Like you really tried to bring and like I loved how emotional you were when you were watching the dance and everything. Like it just goes to show that you really kind of connect with the story that you're trying to present as well at these festivals. Like it's just more than just a festival that you're sharing that you know, there's just more to the area that you're showing. So I really enjoyed that with the whole show for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That one, when I was curating the list, I was like, man, there's a, a lot of stories of, of native culture and, and my uh, grandfather is part native. And so for me, I was like, I really want to showcase indigenous culture. Cause it's, it's a culture that especially in Ohio kind of got lost because we were, we were, part of the Trail of Tears, but the drop-off was Michigan and Canada. So we don't really have any federally recognized tribes here. And again, like my grandfather, his family kind of had to hide that part of it. They had to assimilate to the culture in Ohio because otherwise they would ship them off to the reservations and no one no one wanted that. So <laughs> you just kind of assimilate. So for me, it was really important. So though, it's just... I told people, I said, really, if you get the chance to go to a powwow, it it's the show doesn't do it justice. It really is so moving. And like the whole time I just 
couldn't, I mean, if you saw in the episode, I was even like grabbing for words because I just couldn't put into words what I was experiencing because it was just something that it, it's just, it's such a lost art. And I, I really appreciated how when we, we showcased it, it wasn't that I feel like, especially with, with native history, we either experience it in the historical sense or it's used in a political way. But really what we were focused on is like just a modern adaptation of who are these people? You know, we, we only hear about them in a historical sense and politically, but like, who are they every day? And we got to talk to, um, the people of the tribe, the elder Joseph from the tribe, and he was sharing his regalia. And I, I didn't know that they, every, every single color had a story. Like you didn't just get to pick the colors. Like every color has to be gifted, which begged the question. There was a couple uh, guys that had like neon colors. I'm like, how'd you get that? That didn't come from <laughs> the old days. So where did you That's get that? That's not color? a natural color. <laughs> I also really liked too about the episode how like they were explaining how their dress is significantly different than those out west and I did notice that because like you know I live in Michigan and we do have a very large Native American indigenous population you know further north that you go but I usually when you think of indigenous Native Americans it's usually out west and that's usually what you see and they do dress significantly different than you would see out west as well and I guess I never even realized that until I watched you know that episode of Finding Festivals I was like oh my gosh they do and it's very different like the coloring like you know the different um, materials that they use to incorporate in you know their dress is very different so that was very interesting to see as well. Yeah, it was, I think it's cool too, because they're kind of able to reflect in the area that they're in. So they kind of touched on how they're a woodland tribe. So those colors are very integrated in that. We're like out West, it's, it looks a lot different. So that's reflective of their wear. And yeah, that, that episode was really near and dear to my heart. And I was, I was really, so fun fact, this show was not supposed to air until next year. And um, I was going through some sponsorship woes and my pre presenting station's like, all right, well, how many episodes do you think you'll have done by November? This was July, by the way. And I was like, I don't know, we'll, we'll have about, you know, half the season filmed by then. And he's like, can you can you get me four episodes? Yeah, I can get you four episodes. Totally ignoring the reality that having a full time job and editing 26 minutes and 46 seconds in every single episode which took me another 35 to 40 hours on a brand new program that I don't typically use was really hard. <laughs> I don't know another way to put it. Um, but it was cool that we were able to produce that because then like, you know, th there was no rhyme or reason for, we just knew powwow was going to be done and it just was done in time. That's why we included it. But the cool part about it is I sandwiched it in between kind of in the middle of the four episodes, just because pacing wise, it made sense. I didn't put two and two together until the day it aired that I'm like, it's the day after veterans day. And there's a veterans dance that we talk about and it's indigenous uh, Native American history month. I'm like, wow, or heritage month, excuse me. So it was like, the timing was awesome. And I was like, wow, I didn't even plan that. <laughs> That's cool. I subliminally knew what was going on. Um, so that that worked, I, that just moved me even more. I was like, wow, I'm on top of it when I didn't mean to be on top of it at all. I was just trying to get four episodes out. <laughs> I was say, I thought when we originally talked at TravelCon, when you were trying to put this all together, which we're going to get into because I want to kind of know the whole process of you going through making a television show. But I remember you briefly saying like January and me and Sheree were talking about it. And then all of a sudden it was like airing. I was like, wait, did we like hear that wrong? Because I really thought you, you were planning on airing it in January. Now all of a sudden here's November and you're airing the show. So <laughs> Good for you though that it's already out. Yeah, it. it <laughs> how how well is it doing, by the way? Well, I haven't got streaming. Uh, is it doing well? Here. People really like it. Um, you know, which is which. I mean, it's within my own confined circle, so of course they're going to be nice to me. But that's okay. I don't care. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you like it. I actually probably one of the bigger compliments I got was from my employer, my boss actually, and he's he is a self proclaimed contrarian. So he's told he's explicitly told me I purposely oppose things out of pure enjoyment. Like that's just his thing. But he said, you know, I, I actually really enjoyed your show. Cause he told me, he's like, I'm not your demographic. I don't like festivals. I'm not going to like it. I'm like, well, if you find, if you get the chance, watch it, he did watch it. And he's like, I actually learned something. I, I actually found myself enjoying it. I'm like, 
good. I'm glad you did. (laughs) It's kind of the point. (laughs) All right. So let's kind of get into things. So I want to know, what's the process of you creating a television show? Like, let's start from the beginning. Like, what made you think this is exactly what I want to do? This is the process I'm going to do it. And how did we like get from thought to actually airing to air? Because I know when we met you at TravelCon in April, like you had this idea and we were talking about it and you were looking for investors. And then all of a sudden now it's like at fruition and it's on television. So like, let's walk through that process. I want to know what it's like to actually create a television show and all the work and everything that goes into it. Well, short answer is that it's a lot of hard work. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, I want to ask how long ago was this idea born or like when did it was like spark? Like, I'm going to do this. 12 years ago, the idea came to my head. Um, It was 2019 when I finally, 2016, I established Haley's story with the intention of doing this eventually. 2019, I was like, all right. I'm going to do it. WGTE was like on board with being a presenting station. So before I even had a show or anything. And then, you know, COVID hit. <laughs> and festivals were canceled. So yeah, it was kind of a, so it's kind of been in the making in my mind, at least for the past 12 years. Wow. Okay. So since we know it's been in the making for a while, from there, how did you decide that you were going to structure everything? Like, finding the festival, how you're going to tell the story, like what kind of research did you do for each episode? I think for me, my biggest thing is I wanted to capture kind of the um, topics within the humilities. So, you know, talking about history, talking about tradition, uh, culture, those are the things that are not humility, excuse me, humanities. (laughs) That makes more sense. So within the humanities, it's, it's history, culture, tradition. And from there, I kind of like piece together like, all right, I want to focus X amount of episodes on this topic, that topic, and, and so forth. So that kind of knowing what kind of narratives I wanted to drive toward and what elements I wanted to include helped kind of drive where we were going to go. So for instance, I knew for a fact that half the season, I really wanted to cult- capture um kind of the culture, the diversity in Midwest, because I think the Midwest kind of gets a reputation that we're not diverse. And I really wanted to say, hey, no, wait, listen, we are. (laughs) Trust me. You just got to look for us. So from there, it was like, okay, who all is important to include? And that's where specifically like the powwow was really important because I really wanted to include that in that narrative. Um, As far as research goes, again, being a festival queen, I kind of have a little behind the scenes, so I knew where to start. And from there, where to look. So kind of my research process is, okay, what is, for instance, a theme, specifically with the culture, it was kind of easy. It was like, okay, Native American festivals or uh, Irish festivals, you know, those kind of pop up. But then those are kind of obscure ones like, um, I know later on we'll be doing the Geneva Grape Fest. How do you find a Grape Fest? There's Grape Fests everywhere, right? But why did I choose that one? Well, it was more so because I'm like, all right, what's a popular wine area in Ohio? Geneva is one of the highest producing wine areas. In fact, I, th- I think a majority of the grapes made there go to Welch's. And I think I might have the percentages wrong, but I think it's a significant percentage of Welch's grapes are made from here in, in Geneva, Ohio. So that seems like a good one to talk about because they clearly know what they're doing and they've been doing it for, I think their festival has been around for almost over 50 or 60 years. So they, they, they kind of know what they're doing. Right. So I normally go to like tourism boards and figure out their local events. Um, some places even like, I think they're like Cleveland, actually, I went to Cleveland and I knew I wanted to showcase Cleveland just because I think it's an important city of Ohio. And I kind of wanted to showcase what they can do. So I just went onto their events calendar and found, um, according to the website, it's, I think it's the second largest classic classical Indian music festival next to like India. And I'm like, what? In Cleveland? Really? That's (laughs) interesting. I would have had no idea. Right? So we put that on the list. I'm like, that that's a good one. We got to include that one because I'm just I'm just racking my brain. Like, how how do you get the second largest classical Indian music festival (laughs) in Cleveland, Ohio? Like, you know, New York City is one thing, but like, really? (laughs) Ohio? Okay. Um, Let's include it. Let's talk about it. Right. So that's kind of the research side of it is I kind of have a leg up and it's stuff that I already look for. And I think, you know, 
that's kind of travel in general, though. When you already have a natural interest in something, you just you just gravitate to it. You know, um, my husband, for instance, he loves history, so he naturally gravitates to like the Pittsburghs and Williamsburgs of America because he loves that stuff. For me, I'm like, I don't know, man. Is there a microbrewery <laughs> culture? Uh, do they have a festival that's cool? Like that's what I care about. Um, so it's really interesting planning trips because we're like on opposite sides of the spectrum. <laughs> But we we do find some cool historical places at festivals. But um, but anyway, that that's kind of the the research side of it is is part like knowing the stories that I want to tell and then trying to fit festivals that make sense in places that make sense. Like I guess another thing too is I I knew that the season half of it needed to be in Michigan because I can't I can't say I'm covering the Midwest. Although you know budget wise we're only still covering two states, but as much as I love Ohio, like Michigan's got some really cool stuff too. And I want to showcase you guys. And actually, we... uh, I can agree. Yeah, you know. Michigan has some great things. And I'm the one person that always, like, because, you know, I cover it on my YouTube channel a lot, where people fail to realize how cool the Midwest is. Mm -hmm. And people never put Michigan on the map as a travel destination. I'm like, you guys are missing out. The Midwest has some of the coolest things that are hidden in plain sight Mm -hmm. that nobody wants to explore. So how many um, of the festivals in your in your series have you been to before or were they all brand new? I think of the festivals I've been to, there's only, hmm, I think three total that I've been to before. Okay. Everything else is brand new and it's, it's the first experience. Actually, the Dublin Irish Fest was a really cool one because I have been dreaming of going there since I was in college and I just... Uh, there was always something that just came up that weekend. It's the first weekend of August. And I just, I don't know, it's always something. Yeah. So to be able to go for the first time and capture that experience. And I like, I grew up listening and watching Michael Flatley. Like he, he's the reason I got into tap dance. I, I just am floored by him. He's amazing. And so to go and experience like that Celtic culture and, and see the Irish step dancing. And I think a lot of people enjoy it, but it was, it was really special for me. And it, everything you see on camera like that's a first time experience I've never been and um so if you ever wonder what your first time experience would look like or what tips you want I have a blog even that tells people like hey when you go like you might want to think of these things because I did it before (laughs) I went and I regret it (laughs) that's awesome so you did mention that this has been a plan for a while and you had what WGTE is that what Mm -hmm. it is your network yes okay so they were already kind of wanting the idea did you go to them first about this whole thing or like how did you find a network because I wouldn't even know the first thing to do about trying to be like hey (laughs) I want this tv show (laughs) help me out like how did that how did that fall into place for you yeah so it actually started with a job rejection (laughs) (laughs) you don't want me but here's my show Um, (laughs) here's my idea yeah yeah I, uh, I I actually applied for a job there um, as a marketing communications person, and um, the interview lasted two hours. I really connected well with the director, and I was, I'm going to be honest, I thought I had the job in the bag. And then I get a call <laughs> like a month later, and they're like, yeah, we don't have the money for this position. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay. So, but they did say, if you ever want to work with us, like, we're happy to listen. And from there... Um, Ray Miller, he's a director there. He kind of took me on under his wing and I kind of look at him as kind of a mentor and I I called him randomly and I said, okay, I know you didn't select me for the job or you didn't have money for the job, but like what goes into making a TV show? Like unpack this for me. And, you know, after about two hour conversation of that, it kind of came to like, Haley, if you have an idea, like we're open to listening to it. And originally, um, because I was kind of, I was holding my cards close to my chest because I didn't know how this was going to turn out. So I originally pitched a show called Small Town Charm, which I did like a mini YouTube series mm-hmm. of, um, which really was kind of, <laughs> it was supposed to be festivals, but I changed it to Small Town Charm because 2020 hit and festivals were no no longer. So I was like, I still want to showcase these small towns. So that's where Small Town Charms w- was birthed. Um, I tried, I pitched that to sponsors for over a year, couldn't get any ground. Finally, festivals come back. And I go back to Ray and I said, look, I know I pitched Small Town Charm and you guys were down for it, but like, what do you think of a festival show? 
And he just straight up told me, he's like, Haley, I know whatever you do, it's going to be good. So like, whatever you want to do, that's fine. And then at the time when I met you ladies, like I was still pitching it and I was in the process of getting a sponsor. And I think I just got noticed that we got a first sponsor and I'm like, super cool. And then within a couple of months, it like went from, I have a sponsor to, you know what, let's just, let's just start filming. We're not supposed to film until fall 2022, Mm -hmm. but we start filming in June, which was really fun. And I say that in full sarcasm because I'm calling up festivals like two weeks before, which by the way, that's not a (laughs) good idea, but I'm calling the tweets for, Hey, I have a whole camera crew. We're going to come and showcase your festival on this brand (laughs) new show you've never heard of. And we, I will say this, like the people we talked to were awesome like some of these festivals have just gave us the red carpet and really worked with us to make it happen because you know i told them like look i'm self-funding this like i'm putting ten thousand dollars my own money on the line if you can just get us a hotel room like that would be awesome and a lot of them did deliver and it was just i was so grateful and luckily most of the season or most of the festivals festivals we covered this year were in Ohio and a lot of them that we're covering in the latter half of the season will be in, in Michigan. And we're, I've been in conversation with um, like the cherry fest tulip time in Holland. Um, I was going to lo- say I those are the one. next actually... ones that should be on your list. You know, at the end I was going to say, <laughs> so suggestion, the cherry festival in Traverse city <laughs> tulip time over in Holland. We have a lot of great festivals that I personally enjoy, but yeah, those should definitely make it on finding festivals for sure absolutely i was also told about like a red flannel festival um which i've never even didn't make the list this year just because i got i didn't yeah apparently it's it's been around for like 100 years or something like that it's been around for a while so i'll definitely try to include it next season but i was like oh all right i'm intrigued (laughs) i'm intrigued by just hearing that wait we have a red flannel festival that's kind of (laughs) cool specifically red if you wear any other color apparently that's like taboo oh, you don't no. do that you can't just wear flannel it has to be red all right that's that's the rule <laughs> note to self <laughs> where is it oh man i i want to say it's close to like three or four hours away from me which doesn't help you but <laughs> i can't remember where it was at but it was shared it was actually my husband's friend who watched streamed my show and we're like hey tell your wife to go here and um he lovingly like kind of text back he's like i think she already has the season figured out but i'll let her know um <laughs> but yeah I, I was like oh it's an old fe-. and that's what's cool about these old festivals though it's like it really is a great way to learn about community tradition which again i think people kind of we, we get so focused on like their traditions and cultures outside of the u.s that we forget about our own mm-hmm. And we have some, they're obscure, but they exist. Like the Geneva Grape Jamboree, um, they annually get together as a community, celebrate grapes, but they have a grape stomping competition. And uh, this is like the thing. The thing you do is grape stomping. And I, Lucille, balled (laughs) that competition. I won third place. So we can say Fanny Festivals is award-winning as far as grape stomping goes. Um, (laughs) Hey, you know, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) And they have like grape ice cream, like grape flavored ice cream. I would have never put those two together, but it's a thing. And everyone says it's a must do. So we did do that. And yeah, it's just cool little traditions like that. That Again, I think is really important. And back to kind of the red flannel, like they have really enough traditions for this gentleman to not only that I've never met, watch my show, but also say, hey, you should you should come check this out. Okay. All right. I'm open to it. I think the best part about this is that like people are opening your eyes to new festivals, but also you're able to kind of share these festivals with a much larger audience as well. And you're kind of showcasing that like, you know, small town America has some really cool things that we do. And I mean, I love that you showcase small town America. I think, you know, it needs to be highlighted more, but like, it's just bringing more eyes to towns that most people would have never traveled to. So it not only brings like sheds light onto these festivals, but also like the town as a travel destination for, you know, tourism, stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It also really inspires me to look into my own home state and find those festivals because I really... I can think of maybe two festivals that I would like to go to, but I still haven't gone to. Um, We have another grape festival type thing, um, like three hours north of the cities. Um, And there's also like a blueberry festival, like four hours north of the cities. So, yeah, something I want to do, I think, in this new year is just to explore more of my 
my estate's festivals. Absolutely. I mean, they're, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I have a show about it, but <laughs> I, I love festivals. I think they're a great way to get it. And, you know, I have heard some people say that it's not a really authentic taste of the city because it's at a heightened level of the city. So it's a big tourist attraction and stuff, but I'm like, I think that's kind of the best time to really learn who the people are though, because everyone, everyone comes together for this one celebration, like in, especially in a world that is what we live in is very divided. It's very, um, everyone's all over the place, but for, you know, annually, these communities come together to celebrate something like Jeeps or grapes or pumpkins, you know, like, and, and it's a community affair. And I, I love seeing the unity in the communities. And I think, you know, going those two years without it, it, it really hurt us as a people, just because we weren't able to come together over something so small, like, the grapes and the pumpkins of the world or the jeeps of the world, you know, um, those are, those are really cool things. And I think kind of to your point, Kayla, with the small towns, I mean, I, I will say this, I, I've been to big cities, I've been out of the country, but I have a special place in my heart for small towns, mainly because they, they don't get the tourist attractions or they get the tourism that like big cities do. So, you know, think of like a Chicago, they have so many tourists all the time. And, you know, even if you're performing at your highest level, like you're only able to give so much to thousands of people. We're like, when you only have like two visitors a week that are new and out of towners, <laughs> like you get the red carpet rolled out. And I love it. I love being an out of towner, especially like I went down to Granville, Ohio, which is about 45 minutes south what is it? Southeast of Columbus. And I went there cause it's very, um, it has a new England charm that it's just, if you want to go to Massachusetts on a budget, that's a great place to go. Um, instead of flying all the way there. And this was during shutdowns and stuff. And we really wanted to go back to Salem and we're like, well, we're not, you know, everything's kind of all over the place. We understand Ohio laws. We'll just stay here. And we went to Granville and people were like, you came all the way from Toledo. Yeah. And we would get like, we got like an extra dessert at one place. We got like a discount on our drinks at another place i mean these people really love that you come to their town and that's uh so for me i love going to small towns because i like the red carpet and um the red carpet feel the vip feel and going to small towns is a great place to do it because they they will they will treat you with the best hospitality because they can they have the ability to focus all their energy on you opposed to dispersing it among thousands of people which is really you know that's why you get that higher level of service. And it has nothing to do with quality of services, more to do with like, they just have less people to focus on. So you get a little, little more perks. So we have season one, once this episode airs, season one's done. Season two is like coming to a wrap. So total, like we have like what, a total of eight? Will there be a total of eight episodes between the two? Actually, it will be all one season. It'll be 13 episodes. Okay. And in, in the PBS environment, um, this this is where it gets really interesting. So PBS is it's a nonprofit. It's federally funded, but it's not in the same tradition of like a travel channel where they just have money to fork over to you and say, hey, go go produce a show. The, all they mm -hmm. can offer you is credibility and airtime. That, that's really it. And even the airtime I have to pay for. I pay my station to air my show. Um, now they give me a little, a little bit of a discount cause they like are trying to do me a solid and cause they know that I'm self-funded, but the reality is I, I still have to pay them cause they're a nonprofit. They only get so much money through the grants and, and, uh, federal money. Um, and it's structured the way it is. There's an entire book about it, but you can thank Mr. Rogers for it being structured the way it is. So they can't have traditional advertising like the other networks in the world. So they really do hurt for money and they really depend on people like me willing to, to figure it out and produce content for them, for them to have new content. Um, and then, you know, come up with the money and all that stuff. So when it comes to PBS, every station acts as its own entity. However, the show gets put into the PBS universe or the environment, and then stations um, can bring it down on their, uh, excuse me, stations can pull the, the episodes and then air it on their broadcast. So the goal is for the first full season to air in Columbus, Cleveland, and Detroit. And that's really done through conversation and building relationship with those stations. 
but the magic number is 13, 13 or 26, because that's a full season. And it just makes it more attractive for stations to just, you know, pull the season and plug it in their programming and then set it and forget it. They don't have to worry about, Oh, I only have four episodes. Um, so that's kind of, you know, what could be, you know, a $20,000 project is an $87,000 project. Cause I have to hit that 13 number. Cause it, it's really important to get this show to as many eyeballs as possible for me, because, you know, sure, I'm an ambitious woman and I, I want to go national, but it's really about like, I really want people to understand the Midwest and what we're capable of doing, not just as a destination, but also as creatives. I mean, there has never been a television show 13 episodic television show, a travel show made in Northwest Ohio. Sure, we have videographers that have worked with big names and have helped with stations and, and footage, but like no one has stepped up and say, I'm going to make 13 episodes and, and produce an $87,000 project in Northwest Ohio. We've had like many movies and stuff, but yeah, it's so for me, it's like really important to showcase what we can do as a people, not only as creatives and producers, but also who we are as a destination and, and get us in front of as many households. And that 13 is the magic number to get people, other stations to just want to pick it up, make it more attractive. And we're hoping so that's um, I've been in conversation with Detroit and, and my station relations manager has been talking to other stations. So we're hoping that bare minimum we'll be able to run in Toledo, Cleveland, Columbus, and uh, Detroit to try to get people to see what we can do. <laughs> So the changing the subject that I did not realize that PBS, like you have to do all that yourself. Like my mind's kind of blown. You, you're doing a lot behind the scenes. I know that you were like producing and, you know, I've been following your journey with like you editing everything, but I didn't realize that that much goes into it. I thought they were doing a lot of everything else on the back end, but wow. Congrats. Like that's good for you. That's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> oh my God. Like I know what it's like to try to get out a YouTube video every week, but like that takes, that takes a lot. Like, Oh wow. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Good for you. <laughs> I might be a little burned out, but you know, I have a month to cover cover. <laughs> okay. So you, so this whole project is costing you 87,000. That's the total of if you include like all of the time that I put into it now, because mm -hmm. I'm a savvy woman and I can do a lot of the stuff, although it, you know, tests my mental state. Um, but I can edit a lot of the episodes myself. So actually when I was working with my fiscal sponsor who doesn't front any money, by the way, they just give me nonprofit. Um, they just give me nonprofit status and it's filmmakers collaborative. And when I pitched them my show and said it would be 87,000, they looked at post-production and they're like, Haley, that's kind of low. Cause I averaged like 18,000. Cause I was like charging myself like nothing. Cause I'm basically editing it. She's like, that's really low for post-production. I said, Oh, I'm editing it. She goes, wait a minute, you edit too. And I said, yeah, <laughs> she's like, wow. All right. Well, I'm sure this will get done. I have no doubts. Um, so yeah, basically because I'm able to edit the episodes in, in, for the most part, I'm polishing it off. I do get a little help for that just because I'm one person and I don't want just one pair of eyeballs looking at it. I want other people to look at it and make sure it looks good. Um, so I, I'm editing the episodes. I'm doing all the voiceovers. I'm writing all of it. I'm managing all my social media stuff, um, all the marketing materials, getting the sponsors. So I'm building relationships with people and managing the contracts with WGTE and making sure everything looks good. And um, yeah, it is a lot. And then I get to be a host on top of everything and, and schedule the schedule the stuff, come up with all the money. So yeah, about of the 87,000, I would say probably about 45 to 50,000 is my own time that's going into it. So if you include my time, yeah, that's, that's a lot of time that's being invested in this. But and then another 10 grand of my own money has been invested so far. Um, but we've been we got just signed a second sponsor actually, which is really awesome. And we're always, you know, we're, we're still looking for help to try to finish the project. Cause it's, you know, I am one person and I do work a full-time job, but my full-time job just does not pay for an $87,000 project. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, that would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it, it is, it's a lot of work. And, um, that's why when it comes to independent producers, especially Michaela Malazzi, she's a really great name. She is the executive producer of bare feet. She's done five episodes. She has a PBS show. She has an entire website for independent producers who like, I've been treating that website like a Bible. She just lays out everything for you. But it, it really is like, yeah, you can build your own team, but 
it costs money. It costs money to find salespeople. It costs money to edit your episodes. It costs money to color your footage. Like the more you can do on your own, especially when you're starting out, the better. And like I said, luckily I've been, I'm really lucky and able to do that. I also have gotten a little burned out, but you know, (laughs) that's okay. That's what mental health like breaks are for, right? Yes, 100%. So your camera guys, did you hire somebody to film you or how how did that work? Yeah, so my guys, um, I interviewed, I think, three production companies. I went with the gentleman I did, which they were my top choice from the beginning because we worked on another project and they had a they had a steady cam, which like that's unseen in Northwest Ohio. Okay. To have a steady cam. Like I was like, okay, you, you guys showed up. You mean business. Um, they're brothers. They work. Re- yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're brothers. They work really well together. Um, so I, I, I laid it out front flat for them. I was like, look guys, I really want to work with you, but here's the reality. I don't know when you're going to get paid. <laughs> this is I'm fundraising as we're, we're making the show. And they said, yes. And really, because it was their yes that ultimately launched the series where it is. Because had they said no and said, no, 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 we need the money, we wouldn't have filmed half the series already. Because um, we have half the series filmed already, four produced, and then we have another the other half next year we're getting. So, Or no, excuse me, a little over half, seven episodes total. So we have six more to do. And that's just because they said yes. And they're willing to take on payment much later, which a, a lot of film companies would not do that. So... They, they kind of donated their time in good faith that yeah, Haley will figure it out, which I feel like is a theme <laughs> among my friends. They're always just like, eh, Haley will figure it out. And, and I do, but it's like, oh, that's a lot of faith. <laughs> so you're still fundraising and obviously looking for investors. Is there a way that if our listeners want to help out and help produce the rest of the season where there's a way that they can donate or do you have like merch that they can buy that can also go towards that? Or how can they how can they help invest? Yeah. So we actually, I have a crowdfunding site through um, my nonprofit or the nonprofit I work with, Filmmakers Collaborative. And there's a link that you can go to. It's a really long link. So I, I can send you a link to you, but you can go there and you can donate however much you want. And then you get to, what's kind of cool is it's like a little like ticker and you can see all the people who donated. And it's cool because it's kind of, your, I'm building a community and seeing people be part of it. And I know that like, well, my mom, she was the first one to donate because she's like I'm gonna get it going and she she has joy looking at it and be like look what I started I'm building your community I'm like okay mom (laughs) kind of yeah but (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah so you're definitely gonna have to send us that link we'll put it in the show notes so that way if somebody wants to help invest and create the rest of your episodes I'm I would love to invest as well I think that's fun I would love to help you finish the rest of the season for sure Thank you. Yeah, definitely send us that link and we will definitely include it to the show notes. So what is your favorite episode so far that you filmed? Oh, that's like asking my favorite child. Um, (laughs) That's hard. All of them are so special in a different way. I think for me, my personal favorite as far as like just just for me, like because I had pure enjoyment doing it was probably the Dublin Irish Fest just because I wanted to go to that so bad for so long. And I love Irish step. And it was just so cool. I mean, I'm pretty sure my, so my film guys, here's some story. My film guys are probably the most chill laid back. Like they don't really want to draw much attention to them, even though like, they carry big cameras, but they're just the really chill people. And then like, here comes me, um, a lot of energy. And <laughs> so for me, I'm like a little kid in a candy store. I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at all this stuff. It's so great. It's so green. And you know, they're just like, yeah, <laughs> can we get the shot can we can we stop gawking at everything and like you deliver your lines I'm like but look it's so amazing um so (laughs) that was really fun for me and the whiskey tasting I have I did we didn't we did the cocktail trail um on the show but there was like a whole whiskey tasting tent and um well we didn't we were done filming by then, but I also may have had a couple other drinks before that. And I was like, yeah, we don't need to put that on camera. It's, I've had a few too many drinks. Um, I know <laughs> I mean, when to cut it yes. off. <laughs> you yeah. mean PBS doesn't want to see you, you know, <laughs> drunk off whiskey on their show? No, I, I don't think it fits the model. <laughs> Wouldn't be good for the network? <laughs> no. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> I know. It would be entertaining for everyone else but um a quick way to get off the network essentially (laughs) 
but yeah and i think another cool one too was um actually it's little jeep fest and that one that one's special for me just because like i get to show off my city, my area. And we got to tour the Toledo Jeep plant. And I was told going into this episode, they don't let anybody in. I was told they don't let anybody in. Good luck. I got in somehow, somehow I convinced them otherwise. And not only did we get a tour of the, of the plant, we got to do an off-road course, which I had never done off-roading before, nor did I know that there were courses at the Jeep plant. So that was an experience um <laughs> we didn't it was so funny too because my film guys were like oh we had gopros you should have told us i'm like i didn't know we were going to do this so we have like big huge cameras trying to film this in the car and it is i think it worked out though because it really captivates <laughs> just how bumpy a ride it was because there was no there was no <laughs> making that work at all nope, and it, it's nope, great though it makes food. it authentic it makes you feel like you're actually in the jeep with you so hey we're all we're all for that and honestly sometimes a gopro when you have that hyper smooth on you can't get the real real like feeling of what it's like so it's probably a good thing you didn't have a gopro i think it worked out i really do and it was like i said it was, it was really cool and i'm ex- that's actually the episode that's that kind of wraps the first four episode releases the jeep fest and that one um I'm excited about it. I'm, I, I hope I bring Toledo pride because um, they really are. I mean, Toledo's known for producing Jeep, and we're also known to be the glass city, which has a whole other episode about that. Uh, can you tell I kind of I was a little biased in this season? <laughs> just, a, just a little bit. Real quick question with the Jeep. Um, so I drive a Jeep, and you know the whole like rubber ducky. Did you see a bunch of people with rubber duckies putting them on Jeeps? Oh yeah, ducking is a is a must do. You have to do ducking. Did they did they talk about that? Do you guys talk about that in the episode? We do. Yeah, we do address that because, I mean, it, it's hard not to get footage of the best without the rubber duck somewhere. I mean, for the parade, we have over a thousand Jeeps that come from all across the nation to participate in this Jeep <laughs> uh, parade that lasts, like, I think almost three hours. It's a very long parade. <laughs> um, and people will decorate their Jeeps. Do, do we talk about, like, the origin of the ducking? Because, like, I find that very, like odd like where did this duck come from (laughs) like i don't know the origin of like ducking another jeep but it's a it's a real thing where people just duck people buy like fancy little rubber ducks to put on jeeps it's like a huge thing this whole like rubber ducking oh yeah it's we didn't uh, address it with any like jeepers to kind of understand the origin but we did kind of address that it's it's basically a love note and for me, actually, my my college Greek society or, or sorority, mm-hmm. we're technically a society, but we consider ourselves sorority. But regardless, our mascot is is a duck, <laughs> so a rubber duck. So like seeing all these rubber duckies, I'm like, wow, I didn't know all these people were fies. No, they're just jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can always tell a jeeper. They always, I feel like um, the Wrangler, they always have a majority of people who own a Wrangler have a duck right on like the center council. It's like a thing. They love their rubber ducks. Oh yeah. I'm here for it. I love it. (laughs) So what exactly do you want people to take away from finding festivals? Like what is your main goal of creating finding festivals? My, the mission that really drives the whole project is uniting communities through education and entertainment. I, I want to inspire people to, um, consider their town, look at them in a different way. Or even if you travel, you know, if you're, if say you're visiting Nashville, maybe stop in Franklin, see what kind of events they're doing. You know, it's not too far away or just be willing to participate in your community. Cause ultimately I think our communities are what define us as a people. And if we can unite communities and really build this central place of like, we can just accept each other as we are and come together on a commonality. We're just going to be a better people in general. So when you watch finding festivals, sure. I want you to learn things. Sure. I want you to um, be excited about it, but ultimately I just hope I inspire you to be involved in your own community. I love that. I love that message of finding festivals for sure. So where can our listeners stream finding festivals. Cause I know you said that you're airing it in Columbus, Toledo, 
Cleveland and Detroit. And obviously our listeners are worldwide. So if there's somebody who does not live in those areas, where can they stream Finding Festivals? You can actually stream it on demand on pbs.org. You can type in Finding Festivals and the show page is there. So, and you'll have all the episodes. Now, the rest of the episodes will be uploaded there once they officially air on broadcast here in Toledo in the WGTE market. And again, you know, we're in conversation with hoping it goes to those other markets, but it for sure will be in Toledo first and then available for streaming on PBS.org, which is kind of cool because it's nationally accessible, accessible. Anyone from anywhere can go to PBS.org and find it. So that's kind of, I mean, my home PBS has a website, but no one's going to, I mean, trying to remember WGTE is a little harder than just PBS. We know who that is, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's where we're, I think that's where I streamed it from, the pbs.org. And then I just typed in Finding Festivals and found you. So yeah. So people worldwide can watch it. At one point, are you hoping to get Finding Festivals like on a much larger network outside of like PBS? I think, I mean, am I open? Sure. But I think for me, PBS is was always kind of the dream for me just because I, I actually had a conversation with somebody who asked, well, why don't you just make a YouTube series? And I said, I could. It'd be a lot cheaper, actually. <laughs> um, but I, I chose PBS because I grew up with that. And what I love about it is it is free to the public. They don't have to pay for cable or a subscription. Anybody can access it. And that's important to me because, again, my mission is to unite communities and I want them to be able to access this and be inspired. And, you know, PBS kind of has that credibility to kind of elevate the content that we're, we're providing. But also, I just love the legacy of it. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And it's, like I said, the station or PBS really relies on people like me and, and creators to be able to provide them content to keep the legacy going. I mean, if you look at the landscape right now... Um, you know, it is an older demographic that watch it, but it's also an older demographic who are able to afford to make the show. So you need kind of the young, it's kind of up on up to us to step up and be like, all right, we're going to keep carrying this legacy because if we don't, uh, there won't be a free broadcast opportunity for people to be able to connect with an educational programming. And again, you know, YouTube is a great place and a lot of people can get a lot of information there. And I mean, I still make YouTube videos but PBS just has a kind of a special, special kind of credibility and legacy that I think deserves to live on beyond even, you know, my generation. And it, it starts with stepping up and saying, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So I, I think I definitely want to go nationwide. I mean, there's festivals in small towns everywhere. I've actually been looking up in, in Toronto and Quebec. I'm like, man, I want to go there next year. Uh, I actually just texted my film guys. I'm like, hey, do you guys have passports? Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to go to Canada? <laughs> um, keep manifesting it, you know? It'll, it'll happen if you keep ma manifesting it. Yeah, it, oh, you know, it just took me 12 years to get this far. I'm going just, just going to keep going as long as it, it keeps happening. And, and I, I will say this, like, I think with anyone, um, there are certain things that just call to you. And there's nothing you can do to, to keep from that. And I always tell people, I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm... I identify as a Christian and I truly do believe that this was bestowed to me. Like this truly is my calling because who else would sign up to spend thousands of dollars and put their mental health on the frenzy just for what, like a little fame. I like it really truly is a calling. And I, beyond that, like my journey leading up to this, I've been blessed with incredible people to get me where I am. I mean, like I said, my film crew said yes, when they didn't know when the next paycheck was coming. Um, even before that, I worked on a series, 14 part series titled City Surge with another videographer. And, you know, because he said yes, and he didn't, we didn't get paid for that either. And it was that series that caught the eye of WGTE and they entrusted me with the ability of making a show. Um, you know, all these little like nuggets of opportunities have added up to this. And it's because I was, I, I believe that I was blessed with that. You know, I, it's not, I mean, my old videographer, um, he wasn't able to be on the show that for finding festivals. Cause he's like getting married and like busy and stuff or whatever. No, I'm totally getting, he's great. <laughs> I totally get it. He wants a life. You. Yeah, he wants a life. I totally get it. Um, but he, I remember I actually met him at a best buy 
And I was looking for a selfie stick. Okay. And he sold me a $300 Osmo. And then we talked about how we want to elevate Toledo and how, <laughs> and, and right from there, we started collaborating on the city search project and we did 14 episodes together. Um, all again, what are the odds that I'm going to find a videographer in Best Buy and like work on a project with him, you know? So it's just those little things that I really do believe that whatever you're called to do, um, keep pursuing it. This was something I, I it was like, the idea came to me when I was 12. I knew that I wanted to be like doing what Samantha Brown did. Like, my goodness, she was going to fancy hotels and telling people where to go. That's awesome. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that? Um, you know, so I always had a feeling I wanted to do it, but it, it really, even, no matter how hard I tried to not want to do it, it just kept tugging at me. So if it's tugging on, on your heartstrings, it's probably for a good reason. And don't, don't ignore it. Because if you do, you're just going to be up all night thinking about it anyway, which I did do. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited that you were able to join us on the podcast. And we really hope our listeners enjoy finding festivals as much as we do. Um, you know, like we said, we met you in TravelCon and we think you just have like an infectious personality and it really shows through finding festivals. So where outside of streaming finding festivals on PBS, where can our listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Haley Story, which is spelled really weird. It's H A Y L I E Story, all one word. My mom did not help me with SEO at all, and I yell at her. And she told me, "Honey, <laughs> SEO didn't exist when you were born." I'm like, "Well, that's true too." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was not gifted that luxury. Um, and then as far as my website, you can actually go to HaleyStory.com or FindingFestivals.com. And that's really where you'll be able to get access. Um, our newsletter, I have some merch there, my social medias, and then all the content, both, um, under Haley Story, but also Finding Festivals. There's a blog for every episode. And again, it's really orchestrated to kind of give you like kind of the highlights of the festival and also like any inside tips. So like for the Dublin Irish Fest, I give like a, Hey, before you go, <laughs> remember these things. Cause I didn't know about it before I went. <laughs> <laughs> you also have a YouTube channel too, correct? So what's your YouTube? Oh yeah, channel? I do do that too. I always forget about everything I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's also at Haley's story. So spelled the same really weird way. Thanks mom. Um, and you can, that one, I would say really focuses more. You, you'll see my older series that I created like the city surge and small town charm, but also I do extend travel guide. That's kind of my, uh, I don't know. I have fun with that. I actually just did an episode or I, I did a campaign with visit North Alabama and man, North Alabama has some really cool stuff. Like I, I always knew I wanted to go to Huntsville. Like I had a whole conversation with them at a travel show back in 2019, but actually going down my husband, God bless him. He's like, Oh, I, we could move here. I'm like, no, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> Cause I'm busy making a show. We're not moving. <laughs> like, give me let, let's figure out where we're at now and, and then we go but no north Alabama was actually really cool and i was like huh all right i see you i see you what's up did you did you did you connect with them at TravelCon? i did yeah they uh i i, I met them at a travel show in 2020 it was the travel and adventure show in georgia which i explicitly went to meet samantha brown for the second time because I'm not a fangirl or anything. Uh, she probably thinks I'm insane at this point. Uh, <laughs> I've met this woman twice and I've said some of the stupidest things. And I'm like, she probably thinks I'm insane. Um, <laughs> so actually, she's probably too nice to think such awful things. But I would think that of myself based off of what I had said. Um, but I, I went there and visit North Alabama. They were like, I told them how I had a YouTube series called Small Town Charm. And they're like, oh have you been to Huntsville? I'm like, what's that? I don't know. And they sold me on this. I'm like, yeah, that sounds really dope. And they're talking about like spaceships and everything. I don't even like space. I don't even like space. And I'm like, wow, that sounds really cool. I want to go. Um, <laughs> so I got to reconnect with them at the travel con and I was like, Hey, you remember me? And um, one of, I think the director kind of remembered like, Oh yeah, I remember talking to a girl about small towns a couple of years ago. And I'm like, wow, was that, that impressionable? I don't know what that says about me. I, Cause I know I say stupid things. So <laughs> I probably said something stupid. <laughs> Listen, you got their attention and you went down to Huntsville. So that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, and you can watch all about it. And there, oh, wait, I got to say, there's this bar that was themed after uh, the two monkeys that went to space in 1959, um, Baker and Abel. And they. it was funny. So my contact there, she's like, it, it sounds kind of weird. I don't know if you like it. And she told me about this. I'm like, wait a minute. There's a whole bar, a lounge bar, a rooftop bar dedicated and themed after these monkeys. I am down. I'm all about monkey business. And she was just like, oh, I didn't, you know, she's like, it's kind of a mixed <laughs> review. I'm like, oh, no, no, we're going and we're going to show this place off. And yeah, I Maybe was like, let, let, <laughs> let's do it. Let's get down. And yeah, I was, I thought it was cool. I mean, how many people can say they went to a monkey bar? You know, I don't know. <laughs> That's so awesome. All right, Haley. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we cannot wait to finish watching the rest of the season of finding festivals. So if you guys want to find Haley on all of her social media, we will definitely have it in the show notes and definitely make sure you guys stream all the episodes of finding festivals. (laughs) Bye everybody. We'll see you next week's episode. Hey, travel besties. Guess what? We want to travel with you. We have teamed up with Trova Trip and created an epic itinerary that we want to experience with you. We have a group of fellow travel besties who have already booked, but the only thing missing is you. So why not use that hard-earned PTO and join us? You can book the trip or find more information on TrovaTrip.com, or you can click the link in our show notes. Can't wait to travel with you.